Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Emma. Okay, let me just tell you guys, this is the third time since March 2020 that Julie and I are recording an episode in the same physical room. I can't believe it. How does it feel? How'd I get so lucky? I, I feel really good right now. I feel amazing. I just want to tell you, I, we were debating whether or not to say anything, but we may as well just be super transparent. We are having, for some reason, technical issues like we've never had before for the last two hours. We've been trying to figure it out. So I want to apologize in advance if the audio isn't as good as normal. I just, we don't know what else to do. It's a combination of a microphone situation and to be totally transparent with you guys. Not only is there construction, which is kind of just a constant in Manhattan, my, the neighbors like above me, I can't decide if it's ping pong or jacks or what the deal is, but there's a lot of a lot of motion happening. I think it's probably a tournament of both, where if like you lose the ping pong game, then you get put to the Jacks tournament and vice versa. Yeah. I think my plan in a post-COVID world, because I'm not really in my apartment that much, or I haven't right. been this last year, I'm just going to kindly go up there and I'm just going to ask them if they have a ping pong table. And if so, if it would be possible to maybe alter the hours. Because no one's <laughs> more sensitive to ping pong playing than you. Julie, that is my dad's pride and joy. I love it. I celebrate the game. I just... It's a little frustrating to hear the ball bouncing at every hour of the day and night. I absolutely understand. Yeah. So anyway, we're here together. We're having a great time, but I just want to give you that warning. If it's bad, we really apologize. It won't happen again. It's just, we're doing the best with what we can right now. Right. Anyway, so for this episode, we're on season three, episodes nine and 10. Episode nine, I'm kind of just going to glaze over it. There's not too much to discuss there, but episode 10, we're going to get into a full breakdown. Um, But before we do that, Caitlyn Jenner was actually on the Skinny Confidential's His and Hers podcast, and I feel like we should spend a few minutes talking about it because I would imagine the people listening to this care the most about that. I would love to. (laughs) So she said a bunch of interesting things, but the first that kind of struck me was she was talking about, you know, initially deciding to do Keeping Up and how she was skeptical at first Chris really wanted to do it. 
And what they decided to do for Kylie and Kendall was any money that they would have made for the show, they were going to put into a trust till they were 18 years old. And she was saying, you know, we didn't expect that to be a lot of money because we thought this was going to be a one or two season type of situation. And she said that, of course, you know, they were on the air for a lot longer. And by the time that they were 18, there was enough of a nest egg that that's actually the money Kylie used to start Kylie Cosmetics. Right. Which I think we figured, but I don't know if we've ever had confirmation of. Right. I didn't know if it was, you know, exclusively that money, which I know if you're listening to this, like, of course, in theory, if Kylie really wanted to do that, I do believe that Caitlin or Chris, Caitlin and Chris would have funded it. It's not like that's the only money she had. But I do think there's something to be said for that in terms of the way that it probably made Kylie feel. Right. Yeah, absolutely. She was also talking about how when Kendall was 15, she said to Caitlin, I'm going to be a Victoria's Secret model. And Caitlin was saying, you know, I didn't want to discourage her. I didn't want to dim her shine. But of course, in the back of her mind, she was thinking, you know, no way. And I just thought hearing Kendall's kind of modeling journey from her perspective is one we don't hear that often. The Kendall modeling journey is so interesting to me because she did genuinely work so hard to get there. And there was, you know, I think for all the other kids, you can say their name elevated them so much. With Kendall, it was the opposite. Like Kendall really had to work hard to be taken seriously. I think so too. I think so too. And, you know, if you guys remember, we saw this play itself out in one of the episodes, but when she was finally walking the show, she was so excited and she really didn't want her family there or that front and center. And Caitlin on this podcast was talking about it from her perspective. And Caitlin said, you know, I said to her, listen, I'm going to come. I'll be as quiet as a mouse. But that kind of relationship that they have, I just, I can understand how I mean, we've spoken about this before, but I can understand how from Kendall's perspective, it's kind of like, I really don't want to dim my moment. But from Caitlin's perspective, it's like, you're my daughter. You're living out this dream you've been telling me about since you were 15. There's no shot that I'm not going to be there. Right. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And this to me, I thought was hands down the most interesting part of the episode. The interviewer kind of asked who she sees herself more in between Kendall and Kylie. And personally, I was expecting Kendall, weren't you? Oh, a million percent. And she says, even though Kendall and I have a lot in common, Kendall's very athletic. We have some of the same interests. She said, Kylie and I are definitely closer. And she kind of explained that by saying that I'm close with both of my girls, but Kendall is a little bit more secretive and Kylie's kind of like an open book. And she was saying, you know, I'll go over to Kylie's house for dinner once a week, me and Sophia. She has the chef cook a delicious meal. And the way she was kind of making it seem is that the ease of her relationship with Kylie just comes more naturally based on her personality characteristics. Which is so interesting because I would always just assume that Kendall's personality characteristics were more similar to Caitlin's. You know, what's weird about that though, because I agree with you. Like if somebody asked me, that would have been my gut, especially by the way, because I don't mean to make this as if it's like some huge study, but the TikTok that Kendall and Kylie did a few months ago when they each went and it was mom's favorite, dad's favorite, and Kylie went to mom's and Kendall went to dad's, that's in the back of my mind. Um, And also all of us when we saw that were like, haha, no brainer. Right. Not for a second did we think twice about it. Right. But in addition to that, yes, that was my reaction for multiple reasons. But the more I started to think of it, I think there's a part of Caitlin that likes the I don't know if I want to use the extravagance that Kylie brings, but kind of can appreciate those more outlandish elements to Kylie. Whereas maybe we would assume that the little bit more subdued nature of Kendall is more appealing to her. 
Right. Does that make sense? No, it does. It, it It's just interesting. I really, when she said Kylie, I'm not surprised. I think we've seen Kylie be so warm to Chris and it's something we speak about a lot. And I imagine that would then extend to Caitlin as well. Um, and not that Kendall isn't warm. It's just a different warmth. So I can, I guess, understand why Caitlin would find that quality more appealing or connect with that quality more. I'm just surprised based on personality traits that she said Kylie. I think that with Kylie, and this may be a little bit of a bold statement, but I think I'm, as I'm saying it, I think I do believe it. Let's use Kim for an example. I think Kim is probably the one out of all of them that is the most similar as she is on camera versus how she is in real life. Like, I really think that that's her. Whereas Kylie, not that she has two sides to her personality, but I definitely think there's a whole side of Kylie that the general public just really doesn't see as much. I have to assume so, yeah. Right? Yeah, I, it, it must be. And yeah, it was. I just thought it was, it was a good interview. I guess another thing I was thinking is, of course, it's a big get to get Caitlyn Jenner, but there's almost an element where the way that she speaks about things feels almost more casual than a Kardashian Jenner in the sense of it's more, it feels almost more candid. I don't know if, if that makes sense to you, but it's like, she doesn't realize that she's talking that everything is going to be such a huge news story. Right. I think it's a combination of a lack of the same media training. And also I do think Caitlyn feels removed from the name Kardashian now. And therefore to do an interview where she can be a little bit more candid, she thinks it's okay because there is that sense of removal. Yeah, I think there's truth. I mean, the thing is, and I'm sure people would think, well, you know, Caitlyn's been famous forever. Totally, but it's a completely different type of celebrity. Right. Not even from a fame perspective. I recognize in her day, she was one of the most famous people in the world. But the way that you do media when you're a Kardashian or Jenner is so specific. Yeah. And I do find a trend with her is that it's always just a little bit different. Yeah. And the way that you do media when you're a Kardashian Jenner, you can't even compare to any other celebrity, let alone Caitlyn. Because also, typically, if you're saying something as a celebrity, the person that you're going to quote expose, that's a harsh word, but expose the most is going to be yourself. Whereas when you're them, you have 10 other people you have to be conscious of when you're answering things. And then not to mention all of their extended people. Yeah. So it's just a lot to think about, but it was a good interview. I would, I would recommend listening in terms of this podcast. I thought the Kendall and Kylie one would, is uh, an interesting, an interesting part. Okay. So in terms of these actual episodes, episode nine, not going to really get into, it's the one where Chloe is going to New York to kind of apartment hunt and Chris is feeling like she's really missing having babies at home. So the girls get her a little pet monkey, which I mean, animal wise, there's just no way this would ever fly anymore. No, you couldn't. This is, there's just very not kosher from like an animal rights perspective. There's absolutely no way. Yeah. Yeah. And then the more interesting part of this episode is really Chloe's apartment hunt and she's in New York and it's that scene where she's going to that apartment, it's gorgeous. And you see her in her confessional saying, there must've been a miscommunication because basically she had told the woman 25 a month. The woman thought her budget was 25,000. Her budget was really 2,500. And I guess, you know, living in New York, it was just a very harsh reality of $2,500 is a lot of money, but what you can get here is so minimal compared to so many other parts of the country. Exactly. I mean, listen, if you can avoid the harsh realities of New York real estate, I highly recommend doing so. You and me both.
So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. But episode 10 is called Meet the Kardashians. And it really is centered around the fact that Adrienne Bailone, of course, as we all know, treated a girl and Rob's girlfriend at the time, is introducing her parents to the family for the first time. And what transpires is so unbelievably on brands. And I kind of forgot the level of vulgarity that occurred. Can I ask you a question? Did you completely forget about this episode also, or is that just me? 1000%. I, every single one of them that we've watched, and I know I'd seen this one, like it's not a matter of how this was like the one that we missed, but every single one that we've watched so far, it's all like been like a flood of memories brought back. This one, I was like, I don't remember this in its entirety. I think that's why I was so jarred watching it. Right. Certain parts, because I wasn't even braced. It wasn't even like I felt like I knew it was going to happen. You really were. Oh my God. When we get to some of these scenes, guys, I literally had the blanket over my head. I was watching it with Julie. She can attest to that. I said to her at one point, I was like, do you think that maybe we could watch this on mute and you could just like read the subtitles? It's not as dramatic as she's making it. (laughs) It's, It's not at all. I just was so uncomfortable, but okay. So we start out with the family dinner at the Calabasas house and they're kind of all just joking around about vasectomies. And you see Kylie, 10-year-old little Kylie, is so visibly uncomfortable. She was so cute. She was really put through the ringer in terms of conversations she probably shouldn't have been hearing. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I guess it made her grow up faster. I don't really know. I bet that's relatable to a lot of people with big age differences with their siblings. Yeah. So they're all kind of talking. And at one point, everybody takes their phones out. They're all in their hot pink blackberries. And this is when Caitlin basically says, you know, it's so hard with you guys to get you to really connect. We're going camping. Forget the phones. We're going to have a real like intimate family setting. And I just have to say that the way that they were on their phones at dinner, which I recognize is rude in general, that's standard practice for everyone nowadays. Oh yeah. I mean, you know how my dad gets when we take our phones out at dinner. And that's the right thing. I mean, I think that that is probably the correct approach. But if they were sitting and having dinner now and all of them were on their iPhones, nobody would bat an eye. No, it would be weird if they had put their phones down. It just goes to show how, you know, this was what, 2009, 2010? We were really starting to get into that era where your phone is an extension of your hand, basically. Especially the Blackberry. I miss it every single day. With that hot pink silicone case. I, I had a different silicone case for every day of the week. That was a beautiful time. And the, the sensation you got on your finger from the silicone case to the rolling ball. Stop. 
Did you just get chills? Yeah, I just did. You saw me literally roll my shoulder back. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Rob is saying, you know, that sounds like a great idea, but I can't go because Adrian's family is coming into town. So Chris suggests, well, why don't we just have them come? And right on the spot, they call Adrian's family. Caitlin gets on the phone and she says, we're going camping. We'd love to have you guys. Chris gets right on. And you see Adrian in the moment kind of being like, how did this just escalate from zero to a hundred so quickly? I think Adrian was so sure her parents were going to decline the invitation. So she had nothing to worry about. And when they accepted, like she saw her life flash before her eyes. It's also one of those situations where she didn't have the ability to kind of prompt them and to say, just so you know, the Jenners are going to invite you, be really appreciative of the offer, but just say, you know what, we're going to take it next time. She didn't have that moment that most people have. Right. She was thrown right into the fire. <laughs> and like in her confessional, she's saying, you know, I said to Rob, you got to get me out of the situation. Right. What does one do? Well, I mean, especially for them to meet each other for the first time when they're trapped together for 48 hours. That's what she says. And she's even saying to Rob, she's like, and I quote, like Courtney and Scott are going to have sex in the tent right next to them. And Courtney and Scott, while she says that, are literally making on the couch right next to Caitlin. Like, no, we have to talk about this moment. It was, it was glossed over very quickly because it wasn't a main plot point, but we are literally in the living room. Caitlin is sitting on the couch. There is nothing but one pillow separating them. And Courtney and Scott are all over each other. Like she's on top of him. They are making out. And I don't know, even if this was just for the show, I couldn't imagine, God forbid, doing that in front of my dad. God forbid, first of all. Second of all, they were so touchy this episode. But it's, it's really the entire season. I know. Oh my God, I miss it so much. No, I miss it so much. Like even as much as I was cringing a little bit about the fact that Caitlin was literally a foot away, I also was just so happy to see it because, you know, to be honest with you, even in the more recent days when they were kind of linked, we never got that same PDA, maybe because it was after they had kids. I don't know what it was, but there's nothing like the PDA from the earlier scenes, even when they're together now. I know. It's the best. Do you think that they're both PDA type people in general, separate and apart from each other? I do think that. Yeah. I do, yeah. I think Courtney is. I think Courtney is because she's so non-expressive. And she spoke about an episode where she's like, I'm so bad at expressing things and feelings unless I have a boyfriend. And I think that that side of her just comes out. Yeah. It's almost like, I'm not going to use the word pent up affection, but like maybe pent up affection. Yeah. You I know? would say that's actually a fair expression. So the second kind of minor plot line of this episode, I guess I could say subplot is Chris number one being at the doctor and deciding that she may want to get a little bit of a facelift, but also kind of acknowledging the fact that Caitlin had some kind of unfortunate surgery back in the 80s, and she does want to change some things about her face, but she's so hesitant based on the media backlash that she got. So we kind of see this start to be introduced to the episode, and honestly, the idea be introduced to Caitlin in general. Right. So, and I also will just say that when Chris is at the doctor, she's contemplating getting this mini facelift, but she decides to get this laser treatment instead. And it's just so funny. It's not even a comment really on them about how much less experience they were with plastic surgery. It's also a comment on how far plastic surgery has come. Oh, definitely. Because this idea of this, you know, quote, ageless laser is seemed almost foreign. Right. Now that's like a Tuesday afternoon. Right. Now it's like a cup of coffee and a laser. Exactly. So next scene, they're back at the house. Chris is showing off her treatment and 
this is kind of when she's telling the girls that she really wishes Caitlin would go under the knife, not because Chris wants her to, because she knows that Caitlin wants to, but the media fear is kind of what's been holding her back. And they're talking about it in the kitchen. And Caitlin walks in and she says, 1984, I just went through my second divorce. I lost millions. I was living by myself. I wasn't feeling very good. I had the hook taken out of my little nose and just a little lift. I've caught hell ever since. The media just came down on me. If you Google my name, worst plastic surgeries of all time comes up. They compare me to Michael Jackson. I mean, the media can be brutal. Just in case you were wondering, in 1984, Caitlin was 35, which honestly really does feel young to be getting the treatment that she was getting because the nose job is one thing, but you would think maybe Botox, maybe some sort of filler, but she kind of got a facelift in her 30s. Right. And then 80s facelifts seems scary to me. Doesn't it seem kind of scary? But I do have to say, like, it was definitely an unnecessary procedure. And I know the doctor had botched her nose and then had to go and fix it. I wouldn't say it was the worst plastic surgery of all time. I don't think it was worthy of, like, the number one placement on a list or a top five placement on that list. We've definitely seen worse, don't you think? Totally. I just think that she was an easy target, specifically uh, – at the time, because I think the media wasn't friendly to this like powerful masculine figure in sports also going under the knife, which of course is not a fair thing. But I, right. I do think that there was like that stigmatization of it and kind of like being made fun of, which is again, unfortunate and additionally unfortunate once you realize what she was going, what was going on with her internally. Right. Um, but there was that aspect to it. And then I think once the Kardashians came into the mix, making fun of reality stars, which was what Caitlyn additionally was at the time, was an easy target, 100%. right? Anyway, so next scene, we're at Adrienne and Rob's apartment, and you could see Adrienne is visibly kind of freaking out. And Rob is basically saying, like, he understands her anxiety because it's not unwarranted. He knows all too well how inappropriate his family can be, and especially Adrienne's family, who's not really on board with that. It's kind of like Anybody in this situation would already come in with the initial anxiety about your girlfriend meeting your family on a camping trip for the first time. But then you add in the level of profanity that this family is accustomed to, coupled with the intolerance of profanity that Adrian's family has, and you're in for a deadly combination. Yeah, not a good combination. I thought the most relatable part of the scene also was in the very beginning where Adrian's starting to freak out a little about this camping trip. And she's asking Rob for the details and Rob has absolutely none of them. She's like, he's like, oh, I know we're driving somewhere. And she's like, you know what? Forget this. Like, I can't depend on you. I'm calling my, I'm calling your mom myself. Cause I have to know what's back. I was like, just go straight to the source, Adrian. I am so glad you just said that. Cause I, we didn't write it down and I wanted to bring that point up. That is one of the most relatable scenes I have ever seen on this show. Right. Um, I don't know if you guys can relate to this at all. If you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend who is, just so bad with planning. And if you're on a family trip, you literally have to consult the source directly. That was my life with, with my ex-boyfriend. I know. I, I wouldn't even, it got to the point where I wouldn't even bother asking. I would just go straight to his mom. You have to. I'll never forget it. Do you want to know the experience that really brought up for me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let me bring you back to Aspen 2009. Oof, Aspen 2009. <laughs> I had never been and we were going for New Year's Eve. And it was the last minute. I wasn't supposed to go. I ended up meeting them there. And I asked him, okay, well, what are we doing for New Year's? And he's like, it's the most casual thing ever. We're literally just going to our family friend's house. Like you can just, I was like, so I can bring like boots. He's like, yeah, a thousand percent. I was like, it's going to be cold. He's like, yeah, I didn't know Aspen. Well, it was my first time there. We end up going 
it wasn't like we were just going to hang out at the family friend's house in like leggings or jeans as I had expected. It was a full blown party that they were having at this gorgeous Aspen house. I walk in in my furry Ugg boots. Like, no, no. I've never heard this story before. Julie, not, not like the regular shielding ones, but the ones that are like a little bit more dressed up. And I was in, I mean, they're still Ugg boots. They're still (laughs) Ugg boots. And I ended up last minute changing to like a nicer top that I kind of had, but everybody else was in heels. Oh my God. I am so sorry that happened to you. I know it sounds so stupid saying it now, but could you imagine how traumatizing that was? I'm like, no, I'm so traumatized right now. I know. And that is a traumatizing experience. I know. And I remember saying to his mom and she was like, he didn't tell you. And I was like, no, he said that we were literally just going to hang out there. And I was like, how weird would that be for me to get dressed up just to go hang out? I don't want to be like that annoying girlfriend that comes in, you know, that comes in like I'm too dressed up for the occasion. Oh no, I'm so sorry. Yeah, we got into a huge fucking fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course. There's, let me tell you something right now, kids. There is no fight like fighting in the bathroom of the family friend's house when you shut the door. Like, you fucking didn't tell me. <laughs> and you can't yell. So you're doing that like quiet yell where you really want to yell, but you actually can't let it rip because you're surrounded by people. Oh my God. You know, I like have like residual PTSD for you. Yeah. So I just, all of that to say, I related to uh, Adrian in that moment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So next scene, they have this giant RV and they're getting on it. Caitlin starts collecting everyone's phones, which is funny because at the time they were annoyed, but fine. Nowadays, never. I looked at you and I was like, if they tried to collect my phone, I would just simply say no. Well, we have the excuse that it's work-related now. They all were work-related. <laughs> now they do though. I couldn't go camping. Okay. It's just not my thing. I was going to say, we can get into this once we actually talk about the scene in a minute, but I really admire people that find such joy from camping. Really. I think there's something to be said for just like being you in one with nature. Watching this was quite literally the last thing I would ever want to do. And they did it the bougiest possible way. I mean, they had the RV right there filled with everything they needed. I just know myself too well to know that I'm not one of those people that find it to be this like meditative escape. And a lot of people do. I know my scoliosis too well to not sleep on the ground. Yeah. You guys would never want to see Julie the next day after sleeping in a sleeping bag. No. She she wouldn't be able to walk. No, like she's a rod in her back. That's not us being she's dramatic. She's a rod in her back. She's got a rod in her back. What do you want from her? Okay. So they're getting on the RV. They pick up Adrian's family. They are so cute. They're like standing kind of on the sidewalk. This giant RV comes up. Could you imagine your literal, your Adrian Bailon's little family. And next thing you know, like 11 Kardashians get out of this fucking tricked out RV. Tricked out. <laughs> I just pulled an exhibit. Oh my God. Literally put my ride. Yeah. And they all meet. They're so sweet. It's like a very kind embrace. They get to the camping ground. It's right on the lake. They're setting up. Nobody knows how to pitch a tent. Like this gave me uh, Kim Larsa vibes. Remember when they took the kids camping? Yes. Right. Yes. Like if I, nowadays, Kim, if I'm Kim, not to sound like, I guess she couldn't say this publicly, but in my head, I would be thinking I'm worth a billion fucking dollars. I don't need to be standing here figuring out how to pitch this tent. A hundred percent. It's just not what I want to be doing with no. my day. I have more important things to do. Yeah. They arrive on the ground. They're all setting up and it's funny because Caitlin is genuinely kind of expecting them to get involved and to help. And Chris is almost horrified that <laughs> that Caitlin has that expectation of them. Chris walks off the RV and is like, wait, doesn't think we're going to be helping her pitch these tents. Like she thought, Chris thought she was going to get there and everything was going to be pre-set up for her. But you can't blame her. I, I do not at all. And it's funny because when Chloe's setting up the tent, she's like, oh, fuck. 
And Adrian kind of, you know, hits her. She's like, please watch your language. And in her confessional, Adrian says, my stepdad is a Marine. He has a purple heart. He's very conservative. And he feels like as a parent, we should have respect for him when he's around. Which by the way, like is the most fair thing ever. She wasn't being, if you watch the episode, like if you're hearing us describe it, it may sound like, oh my God, come on, this guy's to stick up his ass. He doesn't. The way that it was, like if you watch this, it was very normal and it was actually almost, to be honest with you, like I get that that's how they were and I get that that's how they acted. And it's not that you have to change your personality, but it almost just was disrespectful. It seems weird to me, and we'll definitely get into this more because things definitely escalate more than Chloe just saying like, what the fuck? But it seems weird to me to meet anybody's family for the first time and act like that. Like you, you're naturally going to change the way you are with your own family when you're around a different family for the very first time. Maybe if you get super comfortable and you're there, but like to start off right off the bat, like that is just so unusual. Oh, it's, it's true. I mean, like I, in my own life, I was trying to think about this. And when I'm at home, I curse all the time. Like I don't even think about it, but I notice myself sometimes when I'm in groups with other people's parents, it takes me a second to remember like, okay, not everybody's as down for that. Right. You know what I mean? Well, my dad isn't. Yeah. It was always his thing growing up. No. I'm like, I'm 24. I can't say that word in your house. Everybody has their thing. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So next scene, they're all kind of sitting together and Courtney, again, is sitting on Scott's lap. They're making out. Chloe's, you know, kind of making comments about condoms and sex and you see Adrian's stepdad. He doesn't say anything. He just gets up and kind of walks away. You can see he needs like a second. And Adrian is going to him and she's like, listen, they're always like this. It's nothing to do with you. Um, I'm just going to, I promise I'm going to handle it. And she kind of asks them to chill out without being, I didn't find her to be insensitive to their family dynamic. I thought she was being a very normal person, but also a very normal stepdaughter that was trying to like look out for her stepdad's mind. No, she was totally fair. And also she has such a level of comfort with the family that it wasn't like Rob's random girlfriend telling them to behave. It was like, oh, Adrian, who were really close with asking us to kind of cut it out. Exactly. Anyway, so next scene, they're all sitting around the fire eating s'mores and Chloe suggests the brilliant idea that they should play Would You Rather. And from the second it starts, I just knew it because the first question she asks is to Chris and she asks if she would rather have a threesome with Caitlin or watch Caitlin have sex with someone else. That's when Emma's head went right under the blanket. Well, because that in general, like to ask your mom is just not something you want to know. But on top of that, in front of your brother's girlfriend's parents. That is why they were so successful though. Those lack of boundaries in the first couple of seasons were genuinely unparalleled to any family I'd ever seen interact before. Oh my God. It felt like, um, 
it felt like you couldn't believe this was real life. Right. Especially when you're younger. Like now, obviously, our conversations with our parents have gotten like nothing to that extent. But, you know, you mature, your parents see you more as an adult. When you're a kid and you see other families talking to their parents about sex and that kind of stuff in a joking way or their own sex lives, you cannot believe it. No. I mean, we were watching this in 2009. We were, you know, what, 14, 15 years old? Yeah. You know, I can never remember how old, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We were about 15 years old at the time. And also, to be honest with you, that was before I had ever had sex in general. So take away my parents because I was always really comfortable with my parents tell them everything. Like, you know, I told my mom right after I had sex. It wasn't about that. It was more so for me, the idea of sex was not something that I was familiar with. Like, I really do think sex is one of those things that until you actually do it, even no matter how old you are, no matter how much porn you watch, until you actually do it, you don't fully get it. And even a few times after, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. You know, and so them talking about it so freely, I don't think I could fully comprehend because it seemed like this bigger than life thing. Right. You know? Like it was, it was almost, it was crazy as it was because it was someone talking to their parents so freely about sex, but then it was like the casualty of sex being spoken about in general was like so like unrelatable in the slightest. Like you couldn't wrap your head around it. It was so unrelatable. And also they seemed so experienced because when you're in high school and pe- the, you know, the guys in your grade are talking about sex when they're 14 or 15, it's because they're really horny. Most of them, it's not because they've done it. Right. So it just, it, I don't know. It does bring me back to where I was at the time when I was initially watching this. And, right. and now it's like, I still think the way that they were talking in front of Adrian's family and their parents, which we'll get into in a second, was like crazy. But what they were actually saying wasn't crazy. Right. Like if you were having those conversations with your friends, it would be a completely different story. It would be nothing. Right. So let me keep going so you guys can understand what we're talking about. Rob is kind of yelling at them to stop. Chris decides, I'm just going to take a shot. I'm not answering this. And then Chloe, this is when I literally made Julie turn it off because I needed a moment to just like reset. Her fucking parents are sitting right there. And Chloe asks Adrian in front of her entire family if she would rather suck Rob's dick for a minute or lick his asshole for a minute. No, we're in her an answer, no? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, but Julie, her, her stepdad was next to Chloe. No, that was like, I could not even, I could not believe it. Chloe really, out of all of them, just had no boundaries. I think it was like a, a joke to her or something. I don't know. Chloe, I actually think thrived on it. She got off on the awkwardness. She, she, it wasn't malicious. She wasn't trying to do it to like alienate Adrian's family by any means, but I think she was kind of liking contributing to the chaos of the group. And also they had all had a couple of drinks that definitely contributed to the situation. Totally. Anyway, so Adrian sees that her stepdad and honestly the rest of her family is so uncomfortable. So Adrian kind of pulls Rob aside and she basically says, you know, you have to step in here. You have to do something. She's like, if this was the other way around and it was my family that was doing something that was making you or your family uncomfortable, like I would say something. And she was 1000% justified in this because it doesn't matter really the comfort level she has with the family, which as we know was high. It's very different when it comes from their own child. Like there's a certain level where you need it to come from the brother. And also Rob knew how uncomfortable this was. Rob needed to step in on his own. Well, Kim in her confessional says, you know, Rob is the baby of the family and he oftentimes doesn't have a voice, but he needs to grow up and take a stance. And she kind of says, even in her confessional, that his voice oftentimes isn't really respected by the family, which 
clearly we've seen that, but that was when the first time when she really said it publicly, you know? Right. And Rob basically gathers them on the bus and he's like, you have to stop. Like you, you need to respect them. This is very uncomfortable for me. And they all, you know, apologize and they say, okay, we're going to, we're going to chill on that. And you see in Chloe's confessional, she's like genuinely happy that Rob said something because it almost felt in a weird way. And this sounds kind of sadistic, but she was almost testing how far he would go. I was going to say that. Like how, what, what is the most inappropriate thing she could say in front of Adrian's family before Rob finally stepped in? Right. Which like, I understand wanting to teach your sibling a lesson about standing up for themselves, but gone about it in a far less intrusive way. Yeah. I don't think it was, I don't think it was a conscious thing where she went to the weekend and was like, I'm going to see like what shit I can pull here. But I think that once she started to do it, it hit a point where she was like, I wonder if Rob's ever going to step in and say something. Yeah. Anyway, the next morning they're all kind of hanging out. Courtney is really sweet. She's kind of like making coffee for Adrian's parents, which you can tell she's trying to make them feel a little bit more comfortable. And Caitlin and Adrian's stepdad go on this little walk. And I actually felt for Caitlin, it was probably a little bit validating because she finally had another person there that could relate or could understand why she wanted them to be a little bit more conservative in the way that they spoke. Conservative stepdad to conservative stepdad. It was a beautiful uh, meeting of the minds. Yes, it was. Yeah. And also, Caitlin makes this comment like, you know, Rob is a really great guy. You'd be really lucky to have him in your family, which was true. But also, I was waiting for her to be like, and Adrian is amazing and we'd be so thrilled to have her in ours. Right. Like, you had to balance it a little, no? Yeah. But Adrian's stepdad does say, like, we love Rob, which it was a sweet moment. It was a sweet moment. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Anyway, so we get back from the camping trip. We're back in Calabasas and Caitlin finally agrees to go to a consultation with plastic surgeon, Dr. Garth Fisher. Chris has been saying he's the best. She's kind of been um, championing him this entire episode. And she goes in, they go for the consultation and Garth is saying, you know, I'm just going to make everything look kind of blended and natural. Just as a total side note, because we were curious, we looked him up, Garth Fisher. He still has a you know, thriving Instagram presence. If you go to his website, most of his testimonials are pictures of the Kardashians. And just as a side note, he was married to Jose Canseco's ex-wife, which is just funny knowing, well, one, just in general, but also knowing that Josie Canseco, Jose's daughter, was dating Brody Jenner a couple months ago. Everyone is so fucking connected. It's really so crazy. It's unbelievable, no? 
every time you end up on a Wikipedia of a celebrity, you will find the craziest connections, just randomly. You go into this deep rabbit hole. Oh, my favorite thing to do. It's the Linda Thompson of it all. It's the Linda Thompson of it all. You are so right. If we didn't name the episodes as like- I was just thinking that. Were you? That if we didn't name the episodes as like non-exciting things anymore, that would be the title for this. I was literally am just thinking that would have made an amazing title. We used to do that, but it's, I, I, I mean, at least for the regular episode, you have to put the subjects in. The swipe ups are significantly higher. Yeah. Anyway, so next scene, Chris and Caitlin are getting into bed. And this is kind of the night when Caitlin agrees to do the surgery- And Chris is saying, like, I just want you to feel good about yourself. Also, Garth did Chris's work, which is another thing. And he's also appeared on Harry Loves Lisa, Kendra Show, and Holly's World with Holly Madison. And he also still attended the Kardashian Christmas party last year. And so did Randy Jackson, apparently. It was so funny. We were looking through his Instagram of it, and it's like, Randy Jackson, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, all these people that we didn't even know were there necessarily. So funny. So last scene, day of the surgery, you know, Caitlin refuses to take off her wedding ring for the surgery, which that was really sweet. Was sweet. And Chris is saying, like, I didn't realize how nervous I would be for her to go under the knife until I'm actually here, which I know it's elective surgery, but I do think this happens a lot where they always say surgery is not scary unless it's happening to you or somebody you love. Right. And for somebody to say like, oh, it's just a casual facelift feels a lot different than when you're actually in the operating room. Yeah. Surgery goes well. And the last scene she reveals the plastic surgery to the family and you can see like they were really supportive of it. And I think they all wanted Caitlin to have that feeling of I'm not ashamed of the work that I had done. And like, I'm genuinely happy about this new look, you know, like they wanted her to find that confidence. Right. And I think they also wanted her to be able to rationalize, like you're not getting more work done. Like you're not trying to be something that you're not, or, you know, give the media more reason to attack you. You're just correcting a mistake. Yeah. If, if, By the way, there's nothing wrong with doing it the other way, but I think Caitlin in her head needed to rationalize it as just correcting a mistake. Yeah. And I have to say the girls typically would give her a lot of shit for a lot of things. They were really supportive of this. Yeah. Which may come from their own affinity towards plastic surgery. And also from their own affinity towards insecurities. Yeah. And also, you know, I just have to say, because I don't think we talked about it that much earlier on, it's really crazy how we are now in 2009. It is 25 years later from when she had the surgery the first time. And the media attacks is still so on the surface of her mind to the point where, you know, it, it it just goes to show how like fear is one of the most controlling emotions because it wasn't for a lack of desire. It wasn't for a lack of trust within the doctor. She had a lack of trust with other doctors, but not with this guy. It was solely because of the fear that the media instilled in her. And it just goes to show like how powerful and at times kind of constricting that emotion can be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Again, every episode I see of this, I'm like, thank God I'm not famous. Oh, God. Thank God. Yeah. Anyway, that's kind of where we ended. Next week, we see the episode where Kylie wants to be wearing makeup and Caitlin is not down for it. It was like a whole lot of foreshadowing. A whole lot of foreshadowing. Although Caitlin is really supportive of Kylie's procedures now. Of course. I mean, also when your kid's older, you only have so much control. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's all. Anything else you want to mention? I think that's it, kid. I am sitting here and I'm almost like, I found myself uh, like stretching it out because I'm afraid to press stop recording and see if the audio was okay. I'm so 
nervous. I can't even tell you. Like, I don't know if you guys can hear this right now, but the apartment above me is literally playing jacks. There's no other explanation. It is jacks, right? It has to be jacks. And if they, if it is jacks, this is the most jack enthusiast family I've ever encountered. It's jacks and ping pong. They're a really game enthused family. Yeah. It, it just has to be. I don't know. You, that was Jax. That was Jax. I don't know if you guys can hear that. But anyway, here we are. We love you so much. We apologize for any audio issues, but this never really happens. But you know what? We're just going with it. Just going with it. Um, we love you guys. Isabel and I will see you on Friday, aka tomorrow, for our Bravo episode.